HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that Wisconsin wins more national and international cheese awards than any other state or country? Learn more about Wisconsin's cheese-making history at wisconsincheese.com. Join Heritage Radio Network on Monday, November 11th for a raucous feast to toast a decade of food radio. Our 10th anniversary Bacchanal is a rare gathering of your favorite chefs, mixologists, storytellers, thought leaders, and culinary masterminds. We'll salute the inductees of the newly minted HRN Hall of Fame, who embody our mission to further equity, sustainability, and deliciousness. Explore the beautiful Palm House and Yellow Magnolia Cafe, taste and imbibe to your heart's content, and bid on once-in-a-lifetime experiences and tasty gifts for any budget at our silent auction. Tickets available now at heritageradionetwork.org gala. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. And I'm sure that right now at 6.15 on Tuesday, November 5th, 2019, for those of you listening in the future, all of them are tuning in to Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network where we talk to innovators and influencers in the food tech space. And today we're actually going to be talking about talking, (laughs) (laughs) which is fantastic, with Rachel Nemeth, who is here to talk about her company, ESL Works, which is a fascinating learn English for hospitality platform built onto another tech platform. Mm. So we'll get into that very soon. But before we do, we will start the show like we start all shows, talking about apps. (laughs) And, you know, especially with the entrepreneurial set, I always have to give the one rule, which is you're not allowed to talk about apps that you invented or own (laughs) or invest in. That's fair. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Do you have a new app that you're really into right now? Or do you have something that you've just been using for 10 years that's now on, you know, version 14? I have both, actually. I, uh... My new favorite app is uh, chess.com. 
it is like this. Is it playing chess? It's playing chess. So I, like war games? Let's play a game? Yeah, basically, which uh, sort of gets me out of my head every morning. I wake up super early, and when I have my coffee, I play chess live with people from all around the world, and it's really mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. So. Like 165 countries exactly, around Exactly. Just about that, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, like, I can play somebody who is in Japan at 5 a.m. and either get, like, super mad and pissed off at them or <laughs> just, like, a really pleasant game with, with someone uh, just after them. It's, like, a really um, emotional and strategic and stimulating experience. But that's very new for me. Um, that's an interesting way to start your day. Yeah, yeah. It used to be Sudoku, and then I... I got tired of that, so I switched to chess. <laughs> That's kind of a leap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took a minute. I, I, I have, like, I, I wanted to learn chess, and I did, and then it wasn't enough to just know how to play. I wanted to um, get better at it and be challenged, and so uh, I don't see an end in sight with this one. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And what's your old favorite app? My old favorite uh, is, it's not super old at this point, but... Um, I really like, oh, what's the name of it? Now I'm drawing a blank. It's the, the meditation app. Headspace? Calm? The other one. It starts with Calm? A, uh-uh. Headspace? Uh, <laughs> 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 it starts with an I. Oh, in, it's um, in, inner, instant timer, inner timer? Inspire? In, inspire, not timer. Come to me. And one of those. Um, Insight man. timer? No. Man, if my brother were li- he probably is listening and he's probably shaking his head right now. Is he yelling it out <laughs> right is, now? Yeah. Wherever he is. And I I can't hear you, Stephen. Sorry. Uh, anyway, it's it's I'll uh, I'll give them a, a shout out at some point in the episode. Inscape? Inscape, that's it. Inscape. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Have you been to the actual physical Inscape? No, I've place? wanted to go though. Yeah, I go to um, uh, group meditation, but I don't go there. Uh, but Inscape is really nice, and they have soundscapes, so it's a nice minute for me. I usually do it once or twice a day, um, right when I wake up, like before I get out of bed. Before chess. Before chess. Before is it your I go to chess war. <laughs> yeah, it's like Inscape, like, coffee, chess, like and then I'm like ready morning. to conquer the you day. Be drinking green tea, and then like some green gunmetal tea or iron goddess tea, and you'd be all set. Yeah, I have to be careful not to overcaffeinate with all these apps, switching back and forth between like different levels of energy. Matt, our engineer in Mission Control, who I can't see, but I know he's there because he stands in the space that the small little wooden space between the windows. I always hit my mark. Do you have an app that you like? Right um, now, this week, something. Are yeah. you are you completely engrossed in plans for the gala on Monday evening? Uh, I'm gonna do my part, but I'm I don't I'm not like overwhelmed with the gala. That's not my that's not my job description. Okay. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed with this new cider show we're putting out, but we don't need to talk about that right now. Okay. <laughs> um, you know what's my so <laughs> my funny app that I'm gonna throw out there. You might have heard of it. It's called Instagram. <laughs> Every now and again, we hear that. Every now and again. You know, you yeah, that's know a it. new okay. one. Is that new for you, Matt? It's pretty new for me. So it, um, I've had it since I think like, I don't know, whenever it came out, 2011, 2012. I've posted in those ensuing years. I counted. It was like, it was like eight. Eight posts times. Eight posts. Like um, oh, why? Who is calling right now? No. 
Um, and it, uh, it, it might be Rachel's brother. It could have been Rachel's brother. <laughs> Je- uh, wait, was it Jeffrey? What no, was, was you're in name? luck, Stephen. Stephen, just I'm, be keep Stephen, an eye on If that was you, I'm sorry. <laughs> Call me back seven one eight four nine seven two one two eight. So anyway, and then I went to Third Coast Audio Festival this weekend, and I got a little stipend to do so as an air ambassador, which we don't need to go into all this. But one of the things that I had to do was post on social media five times, and I was like, I don't do that. What am I going to do? And so I post, I was posting these hashtagged, you know, air hashtag third coast posts over the weekend. And multiple friends of mine texted me and were like, what, what is happening? What, what are you doing? <laughs> are you an influencer now? What is going on? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I am for this, uh, for this weekend. I'm an influencer with my like, whatever, two dozen followers. Instagram launched in 2010. Yeah, so probably, you know, 2011, 2012, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure I wasn't on the cutting edge. Um, I'm on Wikipedia, and it says, as of January 2019, the most liked photo on Instagram is a picture of an egg posted by the account at World Record Egg, created with the sole purpose of surpassing the previous record of 18 million likes on a Kylie Jenner post. I've heard about this. The picture currently has over 53 million likes. Yeah, I think my posts are getting close. (laughs) Competition. You're in competition with the egg. (laughs) Well, there you go. So you discovered Instagram. I don't know whether... I mean, I would like to continue occasionally paying attention to Instagram. That'd be nice. Are you going to continue to be an influencer? Will you be wielding your influencer power for the gala? My influencer power is sold to the highest bidder. <laughs> Slutty influencer <laughs> yes, power. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Without any scruples about, like, what these people do. Just, just send me the money. It's fine. <laughs> well, send us the money. That's fine. We are a nonprofit. We are a 50C3 nonprofit. So, yes, please do send us the money. We will use all of our influence. So Rachel is here to talk about her company, ESL Works. And it's really, uh, I'm going to let her describe it because it's really an interesting idea. It's a very smart idea. Uh, It could be applicable for anything, not necessarily Mm. just restaurants, but we're lucky that it is restaurants, so then we get to talk to her. Sometimes I meet people and come across things that are really fascinating, but they're not restaurant-related, and sometimes they're not tech-related, so... I feel like I need a, a general focus news magazine program to sort of deal with all those interesting things hmm. I find out in the world. <laughs> I asked for a second show once and they told me no. <laughs> anyway, um, so ESL Works. It's billed as a startup dedicated to closing the workplace language gap in restaurants um, to help people learn uh, the vocabulary and the conversations that they need to actually function in their day at restaurants, primarily, is where that's you right. started. Restaurants yeah, and hospitality. that's where we started. Okay. So tell us how this came about. Um, yeah, so basically what we do at ESL Works is we help people communicate better at work. And Every industry needs that. Exactly. And in English also. <laughs> exactly. English, English also. It's not is just this not a, true, Matt? an English problem. <laughs> He's on the phone. 
See, we need better communication skills. Yeah, Go ahead. It's, it's true. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. It doesn't stop at English. And that's why we really think of ourselves as a communication technology platform. You know, when 80% of the workforce globally doesn't sit at a desk all day. And that's a really incredible 80 number. 80% of the workforce globally does not sit at a desk all day. That's right. So all of the desktop-driven media apps, lunch exactly. delivery services are really only being geared to 20% of the world's population. Which is insane, mm -hmm. right? And so there's this immense accessibility issue. And when technology isn't built for those 80%, then you know, there's a responsibility to start thinking about ways that we can deliver solutions. Um, and so that's really sort of the basis for ESL Works. But my whole background isn't in tech, it's in food. Um, I grew up in the industry. And so uh, I've seen the language barriers happen. We all have. Anybody who's worked in a restaurant for even five days has seen that there's this incredible you know, rift. There's this barrier between folks simply because there's no common language. And um, that's a real problem. It, 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 it spreads beyond just the individual who can't move up in the workplace and can't communicate at home with teachers and um, can't express themselves in the way they'd like to, to their boss. But it, it drips into the employer's, you know, bottom line where you experience lost time because mistakes happen. And, and so, you know, we really see ourselves as, as helping it's sort of a triangle that we're trying to form. It's helping the individual user, the employee speak English more quickly, right? You have to accelerate English when you're an adult learner. Uh, it's helping the employer unite their team and help people communicate better so they're happier and more productive and they stick around longer. And it's actually helping position the food industry and other industries, construction, home health care, et cetera, as an employer of choice. There's incredibly low barriers to entry in these industries. And so it's easy to get a job, but it's hard to keep it and to keep growing in it. Um, and when you can remove one of those risk factors of of language, um, then we, we really think we can create some really immense change. One of the interesting juxtapositions in some of what you're talking about is the hospitality industry, restaurants, hospitality, you know, creating service and caring, you know, for people and creating this, you know, great environment. The hospitality industry on the whole, or any hospitality restaurant, is one of the often least hospitable environments to work in mm -hmm. when you're on the other side, yeah. for a myriad of reasons, um, some which you know come to be headlines in the news, some of them are just basic, long, grueling hours standing up. Uh, heat, hot kitchen, you know, things like that. Yeah, of course. Um, but it's also inhospitable sometimes because of the, you know, really uh, intense hierarchical system sometimes, the language issues, many oftentimes more than one language happening in the kitchen, that it's interesting that with all of the, you know, revolutions in food and awareness and technology, 
the actual environments for restaurant workers and, you know, the quality of life for restaurant workers is sort of mm. one of the very, very last things that people are interested in. Yeah, or no, think it, about. Well, it, it's it's not like for lack of trying, right? It's like there's not tools, and now I think restaurant tech is kind of coming around to serve that that need. But uh, you know, to that point, we know at ESL Works, one in three of employers has tried to implement an ESL program. This is not a new pain point. It's just no one could solve it. <laughs> What are you the know? interesting yeah. things about a lot of the new restaurant tech platforms, uh, apps, reservation apps, mm. delivery, uh, experiential, community, all those types of things, even cooking. Most of these things, most of the restaurant tech that has, you know, I've seen most of the founders that I've interviewed on this show, they are looking at restaurants from the perspective of a diner. You know, they get out of a cab or they walk up to a restaurant, they go in and sit down. And we've had people say, why can't my restaurant transaction be like Uber? Or why can't my reservation? Or why can't I have delivery? Or, you know, what are these things that I want to have as a consumer from this side? How could I make this better, more enjoyable, more pleasant? What is it that I want? Other people must want it also. So we have a lot of restaurant tech that comes from that point of view. And a lot of things are invented because people want something mm. and it doesn't exist. So they invent it, assuming other people will want it if they want it. And oftentimes that does work. Sometimes it doesn't. But most of the restaurant tech is not being developed by people with restaurant experience. No. And you are one of very, very few founders that I've had on the show since we started in January 2015. Um, I think this is episode 190, perhaps, I believe. Wow. Um, something like that. 190, 191. Let me look. 191. 191. This is episode 191. <laughs> There's only a handful of people who worked in restaurants and came out of restaurants and said, there is this pain point or there is this problem and we're going to try and solve it with technology. Mm -hmm. And people who work in restaurants who then create tech solutions for restaurants have a very different point of view from someone who's sitting in the dining room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a... And I think that that has really... You know, I don't know what it's like to to not speak English as my first language, right? Like that's Have that's you an traveled experience. or worked abroad where yeah, you didn't speak exactly. the language. I mean, it's sort of similar. Yeah, the the difference is the privilege of of education and not having you know immigration barriers, right? There's there's sort of this kind of fundamental misunderstanding that begins in in that respect. But with the the industry knowledge I had. Um, it was almost like you, I couldn't see the problem because I'd, I'd lived it and been around it for so long. And, um, you know, I literally, since I was 15, had worked in the industry and spent my entire life trying to get out of it. I like... How's that going? <laughs> God damn it. I can't How's leave the going? industry. <laughs> well, you're adjacent. You're industry adjacent. Yeah, I just can't. I can't seem to step but away from it. But you're a founder, which is almost worse than working it's in a exactly restaurant. It's exactly the same you as just working. Live it yeah, more. I feel like I'm. I mean, at least you could leave a restaurant <laughs> at the end of the day and find someone to cover your shift or yeah. whatever if you needed to. But you can't find someone to cover your shift as a founder. No, the the good news is though, I found a a job that I really like and that. Um, 
you know, I like thought about this the other day. I, I I like, I never get tired of this. I never get tired of the long days. I never get tired of solving and obsessing over this problem that we're trying to solve. And it's because it's incredibly compelling beyond, beyond just what we're doing today. It's like, there's a real hole that we can fill. When you actually really very, very tangibly are going to improve the quality of at least one person's life and if not other people around them and related to them. Yeah. And it's a improvement in the quality of their life and their experience that they can take with them, which is infinitely probably more rewarding than just offering a restaurant owner uh, an extra 1300 data points (laughs) on each of their customers. Which ultimately probably leads to more money, which would make people happy, but it's it's um, fundamentally a different thing. Tell us about the, the technology mm-hmm. and how it works, because this is a part that I think is really great and very smart and um, it, it's, it's a very key piece to, I think, positioning you to be able to really try and go after those, that 80% yeah. of the population worldwide that aren't at a desk. Yeah, so what... ESL Works is, is a product that on the front end uh, leverages WhatsApp to um, connect instantly with employees. So there's zero barrier to entry when you want to learn English. You already have WhatsApp on your phone. Um, If anybody doesn't know what WhatsApp is, it's... If you don't know what WhatsApp is, A, you're not listening faithfully to every single episode of Tech Bytes because we've (laughs) talked about it on the show. (laughs) <laughs> for starters, uh, WhatsApp, I discovered uh, the first time years and years ago because it runs over Wi-Fi. It's messaging, uh-huh. phone calls. Yeah. It runs over Wi-Fi. And I downloaded it for the first time when I was traveling abroad because it's running over Wi-Fi. If you have free Wi-Fi, then you can text and talk, have phone calls and send videos and pictures without having to pay the data fees when you're traveling. So I found that most of my friends and then people that I would meet who were traveling internationally or had family or friends internationally outside the country in different countries were all using WhatsApp because it was basically a free messaging service where you could do that. Right. And when you... Um, when you think about the, the 30 million immigrants in the United States who are trying to connect with folks back home, Wi-Fi is an or Wi-Fi. Well, Wi-Fi is a no-brainer, but also WhatsApp is a no-brainer. So we already knew that we could be in employee cell phones in a really easy way. A, a huge problem for employers when it comes to any tech, whether I don't care if we're in restaurants or any other industry, is setup. Right? It's a pain and. You ask anybody about how they set up X, Y, or Z technology in their company, and they said, like, oh, it took me months, and we didn't want that. We didn't want to cause a problem there. Um, so, um, but the the fundamental, the start of all of this was, like, how can we get people learning comfortably? They had all, 75% of our users have tried other language apps out there, many of which we know, but many of which... Some of them have been, have gotten a shout out or two on this show I'm for sure people learning languages to go on trips. Exactly. And they're built for tourists. They're built for the white collar workforce and they serve their purpose, but they aren't built for a working adult who has housing issues and childcare and second jobs and commutes. And so we needed to build something that was microscopic and, and kind of built seamlessly into the workday. And it started with, with WhatsApp on the back end. How yeah. did you come to that? Um, 
a lot of prototyping and iteration and user like the the sort did of you start building something unique oh yeah or were so, you looking or did you start by looking for other platforms that you could build onto or for I remember the exact night when I got super frustrated and I just went home and like I think I must have spent six or seven hours just like chomping away on Squarespace because I was just so mad that we couldn't we hadn't solved it yet and we knew that we needed to to leverage technology we actually started ESL works um I started it over four years ago as an on-site service, um, which was painful also. Like the logistics of teaching an on-site work-focused English training. Nobody wants to be there, right? Well, and also like, yeah, we're, we're at Roberta's right now. Like it's busy. Where are you going to find the space? And so you're really <coughs> kind of going against all of the grain on that one, which is why we knew that technology would help make all of this more fluid. And our users and our employees were asking for it. So we, um, I went home and all of like the great moments of inspiration I've had are, are like coming from just like wanting to explode with like excitement and fear and anger and all the emotions. And so I built a website overnight and I just, but you're not a tech person. Not at all. Built a I didn't know what the hell okay. I was doing. Yeah. It was just something. I just like made these videos and I made some quizzes on Google, um, Google forms. And I had all of our, all of our students phone numbers, our onsite students. Um, I think we, we had hundreds at the time we were in 37 restaurants and the next morning at 6 a.m., because I knew all of them were starting their shift, I sent them all a mass WhatsApp with the link to the website. And I didn't say anything. I just wanted to see what would happen. And 86% of them went to the website and started using it. And it was like, okay, we're on to oh. something. <laughs> like, this is, this is a thing. It's not just a phone tree. Right. And it's, and so it could be, we could use this platform as a different way of helping, helping people. So that was the beginning, uh, four prototypes later and a lot of early mornings and late nights of, of kind of faking it where, um, I would like get up at 5am, I would send out messages and pretend I was a robot. And then I would like pretend I was a robot responding to students so not picking out all the images that have cars in them or <laughs> typing in the code. It was like how you pretend to be a robot. Yeah. I mean, like sending little robot. We still use emojis all the time. They're amazing. Um, I'm like the biggest fan of emojis. I know my co-founder's listening right now and he's like cracking up because I like totally converted him to an emoji lover. Um, yeah, we, we had to, we started with nothing on purpose. We didn't want to build anything that didn't work. That's why we, we did everything manually for the first three months. And then once we validated that WhatsApp worked, that the, the approach we, we used worked, um, we started to build our, our backend. Um, so uh, ESL Works was born uh, out of... <laughs> a lot of early mornings and late nights. And it was all because of, um, this tool that we knew was in everybody's hands already. Fascinating. Yeah. When we come back from a break from our sponsor, we're going to find out what your thoughts are. If you're concerned at all about building your business on somebody else's platform. <laughs> but before we answer that question, we're going to find out who is sponsoring this platform tech bites on heritage radio network. 
I don't know if you heard earlier, we're celebrating our 10th anniversary, which means we're going to be eating a lot of cheese. Stay with us. <laughs> Since the mid-1800s, before Wisconsin was even recognized as a state, its resident cheesemakers have been putting the art into artisan cheese. When early settlers from Switzerland, Germany, and Italy came to Wisconsin, they brought their cheesemaking expertise with them. They chose Wisconsin because the terroir reminded them of the homes they'd left behind in Northern Europe. The soil and water of Wisconsin is nurtured by the goodness of glacial sediment and those elements lend themselves to the very best milk. Today, Wisconsin's cheesemakers draw from their rich European heritage and cheesemaking traditions and combine them with incredible innovation to produce half of the nation's specialty cheese. Wisconsin cheesemakers never stop experimenting, trying to improve, and dreaming of your next favorite cheese that has yet to be imagined. Learn more about Wisconsin's cheesemaking history at wisconsincheese.com. If you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the <laughs> weekly show on Heritage Radio Network, where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today that intersection is actually probably lurking on your smartphone. We are talking with Rachel Nemeth, who is co-founder and CEO of ESL Works, which is a startup company, four years old, <laughs> that is bringing English language lessons to restaurant and hospitality workers via WhatsApp as their distribution platform, Mm -hmm. which is just kind of amazing and a brilliant idea because it's true. Almost everyone has it. It's free. It can communicate with large groups of people, video, photo, all of that, audio, are you worried at all about building your product on a, another platform? I think Longevity, things change, APIs. Sure. Yeah, APIs, all those things change. I think we are excited about where we're headed with the technology that we've built. I mean, the, the WhatsApp piece is, is a very small element of what we're doing. That's the access piece. But um, what we're doing to actually, like... You know, what really kind of makes ESL Works this thing that I just totally love is that we're not just we're not just sh- shooting off lessons to folks every day and it's not just a quick Q&A. Um, we actually have, we've built other tools. We've built a translator tool for managers so uh, that pipes in uh, food industry words so we can accurately translate things for them into Spanish and French. And all of the translation requests that we get from managers actually siphon back into our um, technology and they generate new training content 
What are some of the recent surprises that you've had for requests for translation? Uh, I think one of my favorites lately is um, "Don't forget to clean the blood off the walls." That was a mm-hmm. that was a tasty mm-hmm. one. It was also one where I was like, "Yeah, of course." Like we've all been there <laughs> in a restaurant. <laughs> in a restaurant is the important. <laughs> Yeah, Matt's nodding vigorously, air quotes, in a restaurant. Just make sure you say, it's one of those games. At the end of every phrase, just make sure you say, in, in a, a restaurant. restaurant. I would be pretty weirded out if I was using my Duolingo to like learn Spanish, and it was like, don't forget to get the old blood off the walls. In a restaurant. Well, that see, that's the proof right there that we are highly industry relevant. Yes. Um, yeah, so, you know, things like, even things that, you know, I worked in the industry for 15 years and like literally every position and um, new machines that are coming around. We have a client that's a, a fast, a large, fast, casual change and chain. And I had never worked in in that large of a chain before. And somebody requested Spoodle. You know what a Spoodle is? Is it this is something with spoons? Yeah, it's is like, it like a, a spoon spork. Thing so is it where you distribute the spoon spork? You know when you does it go hang to on like... a spoodle, <laughs> or is it one of those weird fake vegetable noodles? Like a, <laughs> I know that's what like I thought a zoodle, it was. like yeah. the zucchini noodle, where it looks supposed to look like a noodle, but it's really zucchini, which I, I just don't understand. The, I like. I mean, I get it, I guess. But all of the guesses. Uh, it, what's that, Matt? We Spanish speaking poodle. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like uh, to see that icon. Yeah, we, we probably have a photo for it. But the uh, it's one of those spoons, like the little scoops that they use at, at the salad chains to like scoop the just the right amount of ingredients. They look like sort a of like a measuring spoon. cup. Yeah, yeah. but it, they call it a spoodle. And so, Why don't they just call it a measuring cup or a spoon? I know, man. I wonder the same thing, but that's the Are they cool register thing marked? about the industry. Is it the person who invented it and was just <laughs> raking in the cash from the spoodles? I know. They just earned like a, a quarter of a billion dollars just now from our like shout outs. Right. We didn't even mm. know. I wonder if you made them a different shape. You could call them like foodles. <laughs> Be but the those spoodle are like competitor. The, you know, like imagine... It's stuff like do you that. Tra- do you even need to translate that or just say it with a different accent? Depends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think there's like, there's some things actually that are now anglicized. So like... Uh, like sous vide? Sous vide does not translate. Yeah, we keep we keep a the lot place. of the French words the way they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but things like as simple as walk-in fridge or reach-in fridge or buffalo chopper or, you know, mandolin, mandolina. But, like, the, the, the pronunciation is so different in English that you do have to, to know and hear and listen for the different sounds. So it's not it, – it's a – language is tough, man, and English is, like, one of the toughest. It's so and hard. restaurant English is – crazy also because it's (laughs) not you know it's not following proper grammar no it's a it's a patois over years of a mishmash of you know an amalgamation of different languages and different things and then you have the unique you know the unique shorthand that people develop in different restaurants and restaurant groups or in different specific industries and then if you're like moving from different departments and you have a different sous chef they're using different language mm-hmm. for things as simple as like, you know, uh, 
chefs have like a lot of discussions around whether something's a towel or a rag or a side towel. How do you call it? Like a deli container versus a quart container. And so no matter where you're Soup moving. container. Yeah, all of the Pine. all of those things. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible how it's it's impossible to standardize language in the food industry and we've done a great job so far but we have to take it to the next level are you keeping do you have some monster spreadsheet somewhere where you're keeping track of all the words do you know how many words you have and phrases and things like that hundreds of thousands we that's all the machine learning at this point Um, but we like we definitely have like our own kind of weekly scans and take a look at it. Cause I'm just like a, a language nerd. That's my second passion. After working the industry, I, I majored in Spanish in college. I thought I was going to be a linguistics professor. That was like my, my goal. Well, you, you sort of are. Yeah. In like a, a very modern way. Yeah. <laughs> you have been in business for four years now. Yeah. And just before the show, we were talking about startups and tech and the different Um, you know, ways entrepreneurs and founders work. And four years in, you have a a long list of clients, some Mm -hmm. of them very, you know, very well known Union Square Hospitality Group, you know, Google, Mm -hmm. those are all big, big names we've heard of. (laughs) You still consider yourself in startup mode. Yeah. At what, what point, what needs to happen for you not to be in startup mode anymore? I mean, I think probably there are founders listening to this who are just in for maybe a year or two, who maybe think they're they're looking forward to getting out of startup mode <laughs> at some near future. You might have just doubled their runway. Yeah, I think, uh, well, when we pivoted into tech, we basically saw ourselves as an entirely new business. And um, so on 2.0? Purpose, yeah, mm-hmm. it, was, um, it was a really important decision to go in this direction because it was about impact at that point. Um, I couldn't scale an on-site business, um, but it taught us a lot. It, it made us, I basically didn't have to start from scratch on the, the tech product. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I think you have to be continually uncomfortable if you're a founder and never satisfied. At least that's how I feel most days. I'm happy, but not satisfied. But that's a characteristic of the person building the business. If your business is a startup, doesn't that imply some sort of stage of life, growth, finance, mm. buy-in, productivity. Yeah. I mean, you could always perceive yourself as being an entrepreneur. Sure. But is your business always a startup? At what point does your business grow beyond being a startup? I think we're very close to being out of that phase. Um, but it's been a comfortable space to be in, <clears throat> especially since, you know... Not many people say that. Not many people say the startup space is a comfortable space. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm like a bit of a masochist. Like I love working and I love talking about ESL works. I don't know what I was reading this morning, but somebody was talking about how like it just, your, your whole essence, your whole being becomes your startup and it just becomes this like really elegant fold into your day. And that's what it feels like. Um, I used to just a different type of restaurant. Oh, every day it fe- like I opened um, like Untitled at, at the Whitney, um, and I opened up a couple of other restaurants with uh, you know really wonderful chefs. And um, there's no day that feels unlike a restaurant opening. 
<laughs> it's just exciting and you know where you're headed and you see the vision and you're tweaking little things in order to make sure that your guests, in our case, our users and our clients are getting the best possible experience. And everything behind the scenes is, you know, you constantly like trying to document things and making sure that it's perfect. Um, but we're definitely like, I think we're like just learning how to drive. We're like six, 15, 16 and, uh, like got our got our le- driver's license, but I'm hearing the Footloose soundtrack right now. <laughs> We're gonna go off into to college pretty soon. We're excited about it. <laughs> Is this a good time to be a woman entrepreneur doing English language in the restaurant hospitality group? It seems like this is the perfect moment for you to mm-hmm. be doing this with all of the different movements, awareness, interest, motivations. Yeah. Have you been getting uh, increasing traction for your business? Are people more and more interested? Is it easier? Because I'm a woman? Well, at this point, this point mm. in time, all of, the, all of the things together, because you're a woman, you're a woman founder, it's restaurants, it's English as a second language. I think there's a big hell yes and a big hell no. You know, there's okay. like a, is it a great time to be a woman entrepreneur? Hell yes. It's always a great time to be a woman entrepreneur. I don't know that that positions me or us differently, though. I think the reason why we've seen the success and, you know, the, yeah, the success that we've seen so far is because we're we're solving a, a real problem here. And... Um, something that we're, we like live and breathe by is solving this problem. So, um, I think what's most exciting though is, is being able to connect with other women founders in tech. That's like one of the most exciting parts about the world that I'm like continually exploring right now. So I'm like, oh man, you're, there's like so many of us. There's lots of you. (laughs) It's amazing. Lots, lots and lots. Yeah. Which makes me think it might be time to put together another women's CEO roundtable, which Mm -hmm. I haven't done in a while. Those are always great. We'll have to maybe take a look at that. Maybe we can look at that as, you know, being part of our... I always have two shows that I do at the end of the year. The penultimate show is the year in review, and I bring back different guests Mm -hmm. and we talk about the year in review. (laughs) And then the last episode of 2019 will be a look at 2020. Mm. I do the last show is the preview for the next year is the way that usually works. Like a nice one-two punch combo. Maybe we'll do, maybe I will have that be, it usually winds up being a lot of women. Anyway. There's never too many women. True. (laughs) True. If you are interested in checking out ESL Works, you can find them online at eslworks.com, all one word, no punctuation. You can find them on social media, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, at ESL Works, all very easy. Are you on WhatsApp? Can people find you on WhatsApp? <laughs> no, you can't find us on WhatsApp. you got to be a client. Ah. But you can be our client. You can be a client <laughs> and then find them on WhatsApp. <laughs> Uh, they have a lot of interesting, you know, demos and, and things like that around. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a I think it's a really great, great idea and so smart. Thank the you. WhatsApp platform. I just love that piece about it. 
I want to thank Rachel for coming out to Roberto's. Thank you very much. It was a great, great conversation. Um, If you want to hear more Tech Bytes conversation, come to heritageradionetwork.org. We have 191 episodes in the bank. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, all of the top bestest podcasting platforms. If you want to have a conversation with me in real life, and you can on Monday, November 11th, at the Heritage Radio Network Gala, it's our 10th anniversary, I will be there. You can buy a ticket and be there, too. (laughs) If you go to heritageradionetwork.org slash gala and buy a ticket, you can use the code TECHBITES for a discount. And then you really have no reason not to come to the party and have a real-life conversation. And have a great time and meet the other hosts and some of the great guests. It's going to be really wonderful to celebrate a decade of food radio. And we are going to be raising money to fund another 10 years. I want to thank you for listening. Tech Bites, Tuesday night, 6.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I am Jennifer Leutzi. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs>